0: Block Talk Radio. Rolling.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. We are your hosts, Matthew Miller and Joe Musedla. It is good to be with you uh, as we. Well, record this uh, the 18th of October. Um, Crazy stuff in the news, uh, Dear Sister posted uh, one from the uh, Wall Street Journal here that I'm going to read from. But this also brought up another uh, article as well. But uh I'll start off with reading this one. Uh youth suicide rate. Now this is from the uh Wall Street Journal, I think I said that. Uh youth suicide rate increased fifty six percent in decade. Uh C D C says. So let's see, this was, uh, well, this was done October 17th of this year. So suicide and homicide rates have increased in recent years among young people in the U.S., according to a new federal report. suicide rate among people ages 10 to 24 years old climbed 56% between 2007 and 2017. According to the report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the rate of homicide deaths increased by 23% from 2007 to 2014, but then increased by 18% through 2017. Violent death, including homicide and suicide, is a major cause of premature death for the age group around uh, age group uh, around 2010. The death rate of suicides among adolescents and excuse me, young adults surpass the rate of homicide deaths, according to the report. The chances of a person in this age range dying by suicide is greater than homicide when it used to be the reverse, uh, says Sally Curtin, uh, a statistician uh, at the CDC and author of the report. When a leading cause of death among our youth is increasing, it behooves all of us to pay attention and figure out what's going on. Uh, suicide rates, in general, have increased in the U.S. across the ages. Let's see, uh, where's this going here? Leading cause of death among—I think it kind of goes through that again of the CDC. Uh, let's see, Miss Curtain, uh, a colleague. Um, Melanie Heron pulled death certificate data from the CDC's National Vital Statistics System looking at the underlying cause of death for people ages 10 to 24. They analyzed data from 2000 to 2017, the most recent year of CDC's available data. Both suicide and homicide deaths among the age group are relatively stable from 2000 to 2007, the report says. Within the next decade, suicide deaths increased from 6.8 deaths per 100,000 people to 10.6 deaths, uh, with 20, uh, let's see, 2,449 more suicides in 2017 than in 2007. While the 10- to 14-year-olds had by far the lowest rate of suicide, that rate nearly tripled from 2007 to 2017. Unfortunately, it's not surprising, but it is highly disturbing, said Benjamin Shane, a child and adolescent uh, psychiatrist in North Shore uh, Medical Group in Illinois, who says he is increasingly seeing adolescent patients at risk for suicide. To see it statistically across the country hits me in a different way. Despite concern over the rising suicide rates, researchers aren't sure of the exact causes. A rise in depression among adolescents, drug use, stress, and access to firearms might be all contributing factors, experts say. Some mental health experts suggest that social media use among teens might be fueling the increase in mental health conditions and leading to greater suicide risks. And some early studies have linked uh, smartphone use to anxiety, depression, and sleep deprivation among adolescents. The recent visibility of suicide in the media and on excuse me, and online might also increase suicide death rate, experts say. Homicide deaths among youth in the US had decreased dramatically since the 1990s and were almost in decline and stable through 2014, says Daniel Webster, the co-director for John Hopkins Center for Prevention of Youth Violence. The growth in homicide rates in 2015 and 2016 were largely concentrated in a few cities such as St. Louis and Chicago. The increased homicides are most likely related to drug markets, poverty, and the breakdown in the relationship between police and communities, according to experts on youth violence and the national change. School-related shootings account for less than 2% of all youth homicide deaths in the U.S., according to the CDC, while school-related mass shootings garner significant attention. They don't likely influence the national trend. Data from the Federal Bureau of Investigation in 2018 suggests that the slight upward trend in youth homicide deaths from 2014 to 2017 started to reverse again. Um, That is, well, that's quite a mass of disturbing information. Um, Wow. Uh, Let's get Brother Matthew on. Um, and then I think we can look at, uh, see if he has some other stuff and we can look at the, the other article that was pulled up. So, uh, Matthew.
0: All right, everybody. Uh, we've also, uh, got a third person in the saddle now, of course, Ben Lawrence, uh long time favorite of the show. He's coming on for a special report. So we need you to digest what, what it was that Joe just went over. Um, we have to realize that that the ramifications of this, that the youth – and what bothers me is that it's not just the suicide rate. You, you take note that within that was a homicide rate, uh, well, for kids, and it increasing 56 percent. This article was correct. It's staggering. It's it's it is really troubling just to read this, and I read the article three times. I just had trouble digesting it. It just I, I cannot understand why this is not being seriously addressed by every politician, uh, from local to state. To countrywide level, I just I just can't believe it. Um, it's absolutely pale into comparison to all other considerations. I mean, if we just go back twenty years, ladies and gentlemen, just twenty years, all Americans would have told you that the most precious commodity we have is children. And now, now, we have a whole lot of well baby boomers that drive around uh, with stickers on their bumpers that say I am spending my grandchildren's inheritance And, and, and I see these on a weekly basis so let's put that on the back burner for now let's let this simmer because this isn't this is only half the story now we're going to bring Ben on, and this is the matter as as it happened. Ben texted me last night, and uh, well, what he said has taken me aback. Let me rephrase that. he called me and I'm driving home, and he knows that I'm driving home at this time and and it kind of startles me ben what's what's the problem okay you you know, I just got off work. So I said, yeah, it's, it's fine. I'll just sit here and listen. Um, go ahead. He describes, of course, that, that Turkey has invaded uh, northern Syria. Of course, this is all over the news. Everybody knows all about it. But he, over the past uh, week, has been trying to convince me that what is going to determine the next leg down in the economy is going to be driven by politics. But what he had to say, tying these two two things together, literally chilled me to the bone. So, Ben, why don't you come on here and explain these events, because soon after you and I talked, and I mean very soon after you and I talked, you sent me an article straight from Reuters, basically stating the exact scenario that you had come up with. So, please, Ben, uh, jump on here and... uh, well, let us see what uh, you can see.
2: Okay, uh it's good to be with you guys. So, uh, I reached out to Matthew yesterday because um for the past couple of weeks I've been saying that um politics is going to drive the next um layer with all of these things that are happening uh with the in the world and if you just are paying attention to what's going on with markets. If you're if you're looking at what's going on uh, with a whole host of different countries with different cultures, and the, the common denominator is is that uh, you see nationalist leaders then um, dealing with issues in their domestic economies um, with enemies, um, sometimes fictional enemies of uh, people that are present in those countries that they're that they're definitely afraid of or having issues with to distract from other structural issues that are going on um we live in a world that um prior to the past 20 or 30 years uh every new generation because of birth rates you could fund a deficit because if you if you had a dollar that you owed you'd pay back that dollar with a dollar and 10 cents um with the interest accumulation because you'd have a bigger base of people to spread that dollar over because every generation had more children than the previous generation. And that all changed, right? When women went back to work, um, family sizes started to get smaller. Uh, healthcare costs rose, the cost of higher education went up precipitously. And as a result, um, many economies around the world are not experiencing, a birth rate which makes these deficits sustainable. Uh, we currently have a deficit of somewhere around $800 billion a year in the United States, and um, if you look at places, uh, certain economies in Europe, they are actually using negative interest rates to try to fund these deficits. And what that essentially means is, is that you buy a bond, and only, the only thing the government is giving you back in exchange for that bond ten years from now, thirty years from now is 98 cents on the dollar for every dollar that you gave them. Um, And the reason people are willing to do that is because they're concerned about just how viable their economy is going to be. Everyone's sensing that there's going to be some sort of a downturn or some sort of a correction. So people are, are prepared to get back 98 cents out of every dollar. And if you just use common sense, I mean, if I was to ask you to, I mean, what did a candy bar cost when you were a kid? Wasn't it about twenty-five cents?
0: Unfortunately, that is correct. Yes.
2: Right, and uh, I don't buy candy often, but when I do buy my daughter a pack of M and M's or whatever, it's somewhere between a dollar and a dollar fifty. So it's four to six times what it was when I was a kid. Um, Now, given my age, um, that's not all that different from these bonds that we're that we're describing. So if you were getting back 98 cents out of every dollar, that purchasing power of that dollar has decreased by a factor of between four and six fold. Correct. So why would someone be willing to do it? It's because they're very concerned about the fact that much of the economy is is um, being built on things that just aren't not sustainable. You look at Bell Weather. Companies like GE that for many years was, you know, the S&P was pretty much mirrored by just how diversified GE was. And today, GE is essentially a bankrupt company um, in large measure because of insurance um, related to long-term care costs that they, um, one of their business units that just actuarially they didn't properly model out the risk. And that same situation is happening all across Households all, all across the United States. And what I was saying to Matthew is, to get back to the point, is is that um, politics is going to drive, uh, in my opinion, the next leg down. Because if you look at the situation in Syria, essentially you've got many different people groups that, um, at best, can be an amalgam, almost like a stew, right? They sometimes talk about the great American stew. We used to call it the melting pot But in a stew, of course, you can see the potatoes and you can see the carrots and you can see the pieces of meat and the tomatoes and all those things, and you can make them out still. And that's basically what you have in Syria. You've got various people groups that are very distinct. They have very separate cultures. And in northern Syria in particular, you have the Kurds, which is a people group that transcends several different countries. And that particular people group has uh, national aspirations And other countries where they are present they're not even allowed to vote they're not given any national id they're they're treated as basically dirt and so the natural response to a situation like that is let's we'll have our own country we'll we'll create a kurdistan and that's something that the turks could not stand um, so the turks were very eager to invade syria and the only thing that was keeping them from doing that was the presence of U.S. soldiers who had been partnered with the Kurds for the past seven or eight years. Um, because, of course, us being NATO allies with uh, Turkey, if the Turks had killed Kurds, they would have invariably killed Americans, special forces that were embedded with them to give them information about targets. And uh, last week, the president of the United States decided to immediately pull troops out. And what that allowed the Turks to do was to enter northern Syria and take over a large swath of land. But it's not just that they're taking over this swath of land. They actually have plans. They they intend to resettle massive amounts of people. We're talking millions of people. Um I believe there's somewhere around 3.6 million Syrians in Turkey today. And as far as I can tell, they intend to uh, place somewhere around 2 million of those folks in that buffer zone. And the way you want to think of that buffer zone is the same way that you think of the situation in the settlements in Palestine or Israel, whichever way you prefer to refer to it. Um, Essentially, what Israel did um, after the wars that they fought with their um, Arab nations that surrounded them is they, they built cities. They built settlements in those areas because it's not economically viable to have tanks and mortar rounds and soldiers in that space. If you truly want to occupy the space, you need to fill it with people. At least if you've got people economically, they can produce, they can they can procreate, you can build schools, you can build uh, places of worship, uh, you can build uh, places for people to live. And uh, of course, if someone decides to do something, the negative press associated with that, not to mention it's just very hard um, for a military force to enter into a civilian area with any kind of precision and not have civilian casualties, which is immediately a war crime. And so the Israelis brilliantly chose to do that in the settlements, and that model is what uh, the Turks are getting ready to do in northern Syria. They're going to buttress the area that the Kurds had intended for a homeland. They're going to create settlements, which are going to mirror exactly what you see in the Holy Land. So that's a long-winded uh, explanation, so forgive me, but that's what's going on, and people aren't talking about it.
0: Well, I hope to shout nobody's talking about that because you just stated that they were going to use uh, the Gaza and the West Bank as a model, and they were going to do this in between Syria and Turkey, and that is enough to stop you in your tracks. now you got to predicate this with that. Ben was right. He quoted 3.16, and that is exactly what Erdogan said when he threatened the EU. He stated to the EU that he would open the gates and send 3.6 million refugees into Europe. He threatened to do this. Now, all of a sudden, you have to step back because... If this model works, there's a couple of different places we could implement this on a global scale. Now, now. Oh, yes. This is disturbing. And can you talk about that because you said you also mentioned this to uh, Jose. And uh, I'm sure everybody remembers um Jose from the Portico of Solomon. And he owes me some audio by the way, but anyway, um you two come up with a couple of different places uh on the planet this This would actually answer all the questions. Can you describe those locales for us Ben
2: sure so uh if uh, you know if you if you look at the migration of refugees into our southern border they're all coming by way of mexico but mexico is not the origin for many of those folks it's the origin for a a small percentage but many of the folks that are coming into our southern border are coming by way of guatemala el salvador honduras Um, there is these are countries that essentially are countries in name only Um, it is complete and utter lawlessness And as a parent, your choice is pay the coyotes to get your kid north or see your daughter turned into a sex slave and your son become a member of the gang. And um, faced with those choices, many parents do the exact same thing that many of us would do in that situation. They pay the coyotes and they they take the kids north. And um, so... The southern border in Mexico is a logical place. Uh, the situation in Kashmir is another situation where that could work beautifully. You have it with the uh, Maya, in Myanmar. Um, there are if, if you just are paying attention. If you just just Google religious persecution, you're going to find that um, it's not just Christians. It's indigenous groups all across the globe that are experiencing these problems. And there's massive, massive migrations everywhere from Africa to Southeast Asia to um, the Middle East, um, the New World, everywhere. um, You have governments that are wrestling with these problems. And uh, the Palestine model is one that could literally be scaled. And, uh, of course, if you do scale it, then you've got – You've got to you've got a a you've got to have rules, and uh, if you've got rules, then everyone's got to abide by those rules. Amen.
0: Amen. There's what you're saying is chilling. I, I mean, and this was this is what would take everybody by surprise when you you brought up a simple fact. Now I know this for a fact because up here I actually worked with two brothers from Guatemala. Um. You stated that no, it wouldn't be on our southern border. You said Mexico's southern border. So this, well, this would be out of sight, out of mind. This is chilling. Now, now look, it. Ben, you've known me for a long time. And when you talk, I listen biblically. That's what I do. You stated that if you Google religious persecution and you made it a point to say many different religions, correct? Yes. Let's bring this thought to bear. One single verse. This is from the Hebrew. He will take action against the strongest of forces with the help of a foreign god. He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him and will cause them to rule over the many and will parcel out the land for a price. Now, take note of this. I'm going to switch over to what the Septuagint says and this time we're going to try the Britons translation. This is what Ben described. There are multiple places across the planet You could use a West Bank model, a Gaza Strip model, and do exactly what that verse just said. Let's try it in the Septuagint. And he shall do thus in the strong places of refuge with a strange God, and shall increase his glory and he shall subject many to them, and shall distribute the land in gifts. Now, think about how Ben just described this. This is really a sour tomato. This is a rotten apple. But if you turn these places into economic zones, you've turned the tide. You've Flipped everything on its head. Listen, Ben said something to me last night, and I'm going to try to say it as closely as I can to what he stated it to me. Remember that Erdogan threatened the entire Europe. Now, what is chilling is, is that this is what's causing all these European leaders problems, because we have... uh, uh, the citizens of France being stabbed, we have citizens of Germany being um, uh, raped, uh, general pillaging, and all types of uh, well lawlessness going on from these refugees because, well, let's be honest with each other, you can't prosecute them, they're not your citizens. So, inside of this f- threat, One was saying, look, I will open up the floodgates and send these massive refugees your way. This turns everything on its head, ladies and gentlemen. You're parceling out land to obtain a profit by building, you know, hotels, uh places to work, of course, cheap labor camps for, you know, iPhones, of course. I mean let's let's not insult each other. Let's just be truthful. I mean, maybe even lower the prices on BMWs by putting up some assembly plants there. And then you get your safety, because the refugees aren't going to come your way, right? So it'll make things safe for you. This turns peace and safety chillingly on its head. Chillingly on its head.
2: Yes, because this this uh, brings into alignment the rest of the world with what is actually going on in the Holy Land, right? Because right now what happens is Israel says, we got to have safety, and then they get accused of human rights abuses, and um, they have a vote, and the United States vetoes it or abstains, and as a result, the Security Council doesn't do anything about it. Well... That whole dynamic changes dramatically when you've got Europe who's being held hostage by what's going on in Turkey because all Turkey has to do is flip the switch and suddenly they've got 10,000 people a day who are heading into Europe. So what that does is it changes the whole mindset and perspective of people in Europe. They have an appreciation for the situation in Israel. And what that allows is it allows for you to have both the peace and the safety because you're going to get massive, massive grants. I spoke earlier about the fact that we've got this huge deficit. Nobody cares about it. You just print the money. You just write bonds, and the bonds are worth 98 cents on the dollar. And as a result, what happens? If we need $10 billion to build high-rise apartment complexes, if we need money to build a desalination plant for water in an area that doesn't have much water whatever the case may be we'll just use we'll just fund it we'll just have huge public works and then we'll 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 create economic zones because how many we've spent how many trillions of dollars fighting wars in the middle east how many trillions isn't it something like 6 7 trillion dollars that we've spent over the past uh, since since the Iraq War, fighting wars in, in that part of the world?
0: Well, that's just how much we know. We have no idea how much was paid out to the private contractors like Blackwater. You have no idea. Right. Yeah, you're, you're talking just – you're talking trillions just in uh, what's on the books, yes. Right.
2: So – uh, Erdogan is is forming this out at somewhere in the uh, around 25 billion. So, I mean, I wasn't born last night, but if I was looking at an expense of 25 billion, 26 billion dollars, or I'm looking at paying trillions of dollars to continue to fight wars um, that really aren't winnable, because as soon as you leave, ISIS re-emerges, which is cheaper. Which gives you better headlines? Now I don't have to worry about – I mean people don't seem to understand, but Merkel's in a very bad situation. If she continues to resettle refugees into Germany, she's not going to get reelected. If she continues to provide public benefits to people who didn't pay in taxes, she's not going to get reelected. Brexit is just the first leg down. All of these nations are struggling with with the assimilation of these peoples, and so as a result, if you're able to say, "Well, we can we can solve this problem for a few billion dollars versus several trillion dollars," not only does the problem go away, but just the just the uh, the servicing of it, right? The military servicing. Um, I mean, I don't know what it costs per square mile to have a military force occupy space. But it's a heck of a lot cheaper to build malls and schools and places of worship and auto repair and and cell phone shops. All of those things produce a positive net economic output, right? And that's what all of that's going to be replaced with. And then you've got the positive press. All of these despotic leaders look like the most brilliant men in the world. Their approval ratings domestically and internationally all changed dramatically, and now we're talking about peace and safety. We're not talking about how 10,000 Kurds gave up their lives to help us fight ISIS. We're talking about the economic miracle that's occurring in the northern border of Syria.
0: Well, this is turning its on its head. It is externalizing peace. Okay, so look, list think about if we were in Germany right now Okay, it would give us peace in northern Syria so we don't have to send our troops there, our sons there our tanks there, our jets there, and just have this black hole suck up all of our funds okay, so it creates peace there but safety at home Right. And this makes perfect plausible sense and this is why I I looked over this article again and I'm like oh my goodness, this is, Ben the article that you sent me literally describes exactly what you described to me uh, just a matter of moments before and I was not wanting to swallow it. But when you bring up, well, you know, third time's always a charm, even though you did give up more. Once you explained it, and that's what caught my button, my ear too. Oh, so you're not saying create one of these places. Don't create a West Bank uh, on the Rio Grande. No, you go to Mexico's southern border and do it out of sight, out of mind. Right. And... This plays perfectly here because we wouldn't have to send our military troops there. No, because it will be on no. the southern border of Mexico. So we'd be able to – it would be peace on our southern border, right? And safety. And safety. And it's it's chilling the ingenious – just the ingenious proposal therein. For this to be coming out of the mouth of Erdogan is absolutely mind-blowing.
2: And and what do you think that does to the UN, who historically has been very anti-Semitic and very anti-Israel, when you're seeing six, seven other countries adopting that same model, and it's a model for success? How does that change? Now the Security Council is no longer hostile to Israel. Now they're saying, we want to create an economic zone in Gaza, and the people in Gaza who don't trust the Israelis, in some cases for good reason, those folks now can say, we see what happened in northern Syria, we see what's happening in southern Mexico, we see what's happening in Kashmir, we see what's happening in all these other places, and how they benefited from it, so we're going to cooperate. We're going to have the peace and the safety, and that allows you to get a deal done that you could have never gotten done before.
0: Now, now look. Let's go back to what you said. That, well, you know, your daughter can either flee with you north to a different country, which which doesn't speak your language and which you know anything about, and which you have no benefits to go to, or, <laughs> or you know. Or the other option. And you're saying, no. Erdogan is saying, hey man, I'll set you up an eco- economic zone in northern Syria. I'm going to build you schools so that your children can read. Hospitals so that they can be taken care of when they're sick. You understand this, ladies and gentlemen? They're turning these refugees into the economic linchpins Of a society. Yeah, you have to put the money up front. You have to build them schools, but... Yes, you have to build hospitals. Yes, you have to build, you know, places of employment. And look, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Merkel. Oh, she would bend over backwards to open a Volkswagen assembly line in northern Syria. Boy, nobody liked that. That didn't taste too well, did it? Yeah, because... She knows that the German people could build them a lot cheaper there. These politicians could build them a whole lot cheaper in northern Syria than they can in Germany. So that would make the stock price of Volkswagen go through the roof. Now, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. If we could all lower the price of our iPhones, wouldn't you want to do it? Well, of course you would. You've done it a million times before now. And it's just, look, let me read from this article. This is straight from The Guardian. The U.S. official said a joint security mechanism worked out by the U.S. and Turkey involving a demilitarized zone and joint patrols had been working well, but the Erdogan had abruptly rejected it in telephone conversation on Sunday with Donald Trump. They know a a militarized zone will not work. They're putting the kibosh on it. They know what will work. An economic zone. Right. That works. Right. So
2: I just looked it up. We've spent $5.9 trillion since 2001 on wars and military actions in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and Pakistan. $5.9 trillion.
0: When we could have been building, you know... I mean, anything. You you realize that because we get our clothes from where? Yeah, somewhere else. We get our shoes from what? Yeah, somewhere else. Uh, tools. We get our tools from somewhere else. They're they're made somewhere else. Lotion, pins, pencils, paper. <laughs> Literally, they could build assembly plants and factories for anything.
2: Well, to put it into context, our our um, budget twenty nineteen. 2019- our expenditures are projected to be 4.4 trillion and our revenues projected to be 3.4 trillion so if you're able to do an economic zone in northern syria for 28 billion dollars versus 5.9 trillion dollars it doesn't take very much to get that kind of a deal done it's a lot cheaper And make no mistake, this is going to be the model for all of these entrenched conflicts around the world, and it's going to bring harmony in the Security Council. Because right now, everybody, Israel's the bad guy, they need to be punished, they're war criminals, they're this, they're that. Well, not so fast, because we've got a NATO ally who's about to do the exact same thing, and we're going to be singing an entirely different tune here very, very shortly towards this whole concept. Because we want to implement it on Mexico's southern border.
0: Well, we have to remember what came out in the news not too awfully long ago. I can't remember how long that China had come out with these factories that – well, it's actually a town. I think you and I talked about it on air, Ben. But now they have these factories where, yeah, the school is inside the factory, yada, yada, yada. You actually live there. You live there. You work there the whole nine yards. They have already implemented these quite successfully, and these would be—oh my goodness—would these be gold mines for the stock market? Ben, look, there are yeah, trends, there was a run right? on the
2: turkeys. Yeah, there was already a run on Turkey's cement uh, businesses. Their their public stock market saw a huge run up in their cement uh, publicly traded companies because the, of the um, prospect of building. All of the uh, infrastructure for this sort of thing.
0: Well, you, uh, you see, uh, Merkel could join the All-Stars, right? I mean she could literally do this for right. a Volkswagen. She could literally – look, who wouldn't do this? Do you remember the Syrian refugee boy that washed up on the beach? Yes, I do. Don't Sad. say you don't because I know you do. yeah. His parents would have jumped right directly on that bandwagon if Merkel would have built in Syria, in his in his home, Ben. One of these Chinese factories that the whole family moves in, uh, the dad gets up, goes to work. At the same time that the kids go to school, they got uh, health care in there, the whole nine yards. A modern, highly advanced factory home school slash hospital for Volkswagen. Do you realize yeah. that right now, Merkel would be a, a, a public superstar? Yeah. So then, of course, France would try to outdo her, right? And then Great yeah. Britain would try to have to outdo France, right? Right. And before you know it, these refugees oh would be living on park avenue yeah oh my goodness let's get joe's thoughts on this because we just dumped all of this on his head uh so this has been an interesting sh- in time tribune we normally don't do things this way we we normally cover topics uh by category and well let's just get joe Joe, what do you think of all this mess?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, it – you know, what, what what Ben said completely uh, makes sense. You know, I, I also had the – well, the treacherous will deal treacherously going through my mind as well as he was speaking. Um, But, yeah, politically, I think it ties I, – I think he did an excellent job of tying everything in uh, together there, you know, with the politics, um, <laughs> yeah, it would definitely make uh rock stars out of these politicians if they were able to uh, to pull this thing off and get these uh, refugees into, well, I guess, uh, factory- like cities, you know, that uh, had everything that they needed. And like you said, out of of sight, out of mind. Um, And this would also, yeah, peace and safety. So, yeah, I I think that's absolutely, uh, absolutely brilliant. And I think it's uh, right on time, right on target that, that, uh, that you had brought this on. So, well done. Well done.
0: And, you know, like I said, Joe... Every parent that is a refugee would jump headlong at this opportunity, wouldn't they?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I don't care if they're from Guatemala. I don't care if they're from Kashmir. You understand what what this would do if this was implemented by – well, let's just go ahead and say it – by the UN on a global scale? Yeah, I mean, this would literally – wow, wouldn't this be the golden apple? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would. would, I mean, this would stop all the the crime, right? Stop all the illegals, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's chilling when you think about it.
1: It really is.
0: It's man, oh, man. And so maybe this does tie in – With this children thing because, you know, I can't get the image of that boy out of my mind that washed washed up on the beach. I posted it on Facebook immediately, and of course they said it was an offensive image. I couldn't do it. Now, Ben, I know you remember that, correct? Yeah. So the prospect of this, literally, Erdogan would be a genius – but make no mistakes about it, he is most assuredly a monster. But, boy, would Amen. this make him look, uh, well, like a superhero, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah. You're going to get positive economic output. You're going to get people to voluntarily go home. I mean, <laughs> I mean you have to be a fool to think that people in Guatemala don't want to live in Guatemala. It's their culture, the food that they like to eat, the family members that they want to see, their friends, everything that they're familiar with is there. The only reason that they're here is out of safety concerns. If you can address the safety concerns, you can get people to go home.
0: Well, look, this is awful personal to me, and let me give a shout-out to uh, Isaac and Zeke. You know, they both marveled after it when I got my laptop out and pulled up Google Earth and zeroed in on Guatemala. Yeah, that's my house, that's my... I was literally able to scroll into their house. And of course, they were singular in their intentions. They were here to make money and go back home so that they could afford a place to live, keep their families and open businesses of varying degrees. They were only here to make money. They were longing to get back home to be with their families. And if you offer, and let me tell you something, I put, <laughs> I put them two boys up against anybody, anywhere. Extremely hardworking, extremely top quality human beings. On top of the simple fact, they were completely dedicated Catholics. And if you offer They were
2: faithful to watch three hundred seventeen, in other oh,
0: words. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. And if you was to give them this opportunity, I assure you they would have jumped headlong at the opportunity. And it would have yeah. been successful because I know these two boys. And you could literally put them to task to do anything and they would do it not like Americans do. Oh no. They did everything totally heart, mind, and soul. They were working. They were attempting to succeed for their family's sake. And uh, it's just, if you was to give them this opportunity, (laughs) it would work. They would make it work. Now look, back in 2014, we had one day that emergency services was closed. The windshield factor was minus 59 degrees. Guess who worked that day? All the crew stayed home. Guess who went out? Me? That's right. Isaac and Zeke. And these two boys were from Guatemala. So I don't think I know. I'm telling you in your face. There was 10 Americans at least. And if you were to give them this opportunity, oh my goodness, they would have success. I don't care what you were doing, building cars, making iPhones, whatever. They could do it. They would do it. that that That's the point. That's the problem with most people. It's not that they can't do something. They just won't because they're lazy. So putting all these things together, uh, oh my goodness, um This is disturbing to think about. Let me do this one more time. Now the Hebrew I've spoken about before... And everybody knows what is here. The reference to the Moisim, The scapegoat. So... Without going into that diatribe... Let's take this first from the Hebrew. He will take action against the strongest of forces... With the help of a foreign god... He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him... And will cause them to rule over the many. And will parcel out the land for a price. The Septuagint says this. And he shall do thus in the strong places of refuge. With a strange God. And shall increase his glory. And he shall subject them many to them. And shall distribute the land in gifts. So with that being said. Let's take a look at this article and combine it with the one that Joe already mentioned, the one where the, my goodness, wow. I'll read the headline again. Youth suicide rate increases 56% in decade, says the CDC. Now this is the suicide rate among people 10 to 24. Now if we can swallow this. The headline, which was uh, just chilling at the time. Just absolutely chilling. Abortion leading cause of death in 2018 with 41 million killed. just, Just wrap your mind around this. Abortion was the number one cause of death worldwide in 2018 with more than 41 million children killed before birth, Worldometers reports. As of December 31st, 2018, there have been some 41.9 million abortions performed in the course of the year, Worldometers revealed. By contrast, 8.2 million people died from cancer in 2018, 5 million from smoking, and 1.7 million died of uh, HIV/AIDS. Worldometers, voted one of the best free reference websites by the American Library Association, keeps a running tally. Through the year of major world statistics, including population, births, deaths, automobiles produced, books published, and CO2 emissions. It also records the total number of abortions in the world based on the latest statistics, abortions published by the World Health Organization. Look, globally just under a quarter of all pregnancies, 23% were ended by abortion in 2018. For every 33 live births, 10 were aborted. Oh, my goodness. You talk about a crisis for children. Everything we've talked about. And, oh, my goodness, I can still see that boy's tennis shoes on that beach. Look, if you're a child, you're lucky to be alive. You're literally lucky to be alive. And something drastically needs to be done. I cannot say this enough that we should all in as much at least be corporately praying for children every single day. Amen. Amen. So Ben let's get your comments on this this rapid increase in suicide with young people, and abortions being the number one cause of death globally in the world. What's, what's your thoughts on this?
2: Well, again, that's, um, what you're doing is you, you are decreasing the tax base from, the, the, from the, just a the structural standpoint. If you're decreasing that tax base um, and you've got ever-rising deficits, um, it's not sustainable. Um, We can't afford to continue to fight these wars. We can't continue to do all that. So we're going to have to um, come up with a new way, and this, uh, this of course, would, would, would do that. It's not sustainable.
0: It's not sustainable, but boy, does this come up with an ingenious solution.
2: Yeah, because you're going to be able to point to the winds all over the place, and that's going to be how you're able to get two parties, two counterparties who don't trust each other um, with an incredible amount of history on an incredibly polarizing subject to be able to negotiate in good faith um, with the full faith and credit of the Security Council to get a deal done because they're going to see it – modeled all around the world and working and that's not going to be something that had ever happened previously
0: and these economic zones would be major contributors to the stock market
2: absolutely we're not going to have the headwind of of uh i mean 5.9 trillion dollars since 2001 in 18 years you've spent you've spent 6 trillion dollars in 18 years Three hundred million dollars a year um, if my, if my math is correct uh, on on uh, deficit financed wars in in the Middle East and um, Asia, and for what what did you get out of it exactly i mean what what did you
0: get out of it Wow, and just think the greatest benefit we haven't even got yet hyperinflation. Yeah, you're going to have that. Well, I am just stunned. Uh, We're at the top of the hour. It's time to close this down. I just can't believe that all three of these articles have come together in, ladies and gentlemen, children are in crisis. And this is supposed to be our greatest most precious most sacred commodity Amen Joe your closing comments please
1: I was not expecting uh, the dump truck on my head but it is well it is his will and it is well for the edification of the listeners as well as, as myself so it was well it's his so it was uh perfect timing that uh brother Ben should come on and, and uh and well hit us all with a dump truck I guess uh back that guy up and, and just let us have it and well I prefer that anyway. So um as far as tying it in with these other two articles um yeah that's absolutely it 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 also well it's upsetting that uh well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'll, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to watch what I say there because I I, I would be predicting, but it, it feels that this 41.9 million would be forgotten about as there would be cheers of that's something that popped into my mind, but uh, well, the Lord my God will not forget. So, anyways. Um, Wow, Uh, quite a show, quite a lot to digest. So thank you, uh, Ben, for for all uh, the information.
0: Well, boy, I'm just uh, not very often am I taxed for content. Uh, Ben, your closing comments, and uh, please let us know uh, how what's the best way the listeners can uh connect with you please before um before we sign off.
2: Yeah it's uh good to be with everybody. Um and I uh I want to get back to doing shows with Matthew on the, uh adventures in isochronology. It's been a tough uh tough year. Um I've had a lot going on personally with a with a family member um and um it's been uh consuming an immense amount of my time. Um so please do keep uh all of us in, in your prayers. And uh but it's good to be with everybody and uh um hopefully there is um hopefully this is edifying.
0: Alright, ladies and gentlemen. Um the best way to hook up uh, with Ben is on uh Twitter. Um just go ahead and search for me, Matthew Miller 49 on Twitter. Look at my friends. You'll be able to find him there. His uh, handle is Kameskin, and that's what he goes by there. So if you need further uh, direction, just send me a private message, and I'll be certainly glad to uh, point you in the correct direction. So let's take this out of here in prayer. Um, Dear Heavenly Father whom we serve through the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior, please fill us and the listener with your Holy Spirit so that we might be a light in a dark place. Dear Lord, please remember the children. It seems like no one else cares anymore. How can it be that only one out of Less than one out of three mothers loves their children. I don't, I don't understand that. I can't comprehend it. I pray that You pierce the Ecclesia to remember the children and start praying for the children each and every day. I pray that You give us a future and a hope, Lord. For right now, the politicians, the economy the pleasures of life, none of those can provide us with a future and a hope. That lies in Your capable hands alone. We thank You for Your Son's sacrifice. And we ask You for Your Son's strength. In Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: amen.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, God bless God speed